It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Here we are, everybody. Great to be with you and some great stuff to get into, including our guests this week. Uh, I am excited because we always have tracked what the NBA has done um, to impact people with their foundation. And Peer Forward is one of the organizations who last year received a grant and uh, their CEO, Gary Lennon, is going to be with us. And uh, Kirk has a great conversation with him about this organization that has sent over a quarter of a million young people from low-income communities on the right path for college and career success. 350,000. Okay. <laughs> oh, you want me to talk? Man, they might get some money for me. Okay, Kirk, that, right. that, that grant from the NBA Foundation, I know is no joke. A uh, little bit later in the program, growing pains for the head coach at Bethune <laughs> Uh, is that what you call it now well ed Ed was not pleased with the facilities and uh we're gonna have to do some editing to to discuss it this is what i think right all the coaches deal with because they come from division one programs into the national football league and right heard this one before but yeah it's ed so I want to hear it again. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a reality. Sometimes it's a reality of sight of the, unseen. The work <laughs> environment. Uh, but I want to start off with a topic that uh, is in my wheelhouse. And, and I'm going to apologize first, Kurt, mm-hmm. because I have taken the road easiest traveled as it pertains to the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want to get caught in what I feel like is the baiting that comes from this, this fake anti-white culture war mm-hmm. that the Santa seems to be leading. Cause he really doesn't want to be the president. He doesn't want to be the governor of Florida anymore. He wants to be the president, president of right. the United States. And I think he always wanted that, but saw his path from Congress into Tallahassee to, uh, to, to Washington, DC. Um, this is a surrogate this time, but I, I at least want to, I want to first, I'll give you the headline. Then I'll, give it to you. And then I'm done not talking about the asinine administration uh, of this political climber. Right. Uh, the Florida governor's office, Ron DeSantis's office, leaned on the National Hockey League after the league announced a diversity job fair for underrepresented demographic groups. The National Hockey League's um, mid-season classic, their all-star game, is in Sunrise, Florida, which is a, a solid 30 minutes west of, of Fort Lauderdale. And this announcement came up, and on Friday, uh, what's this gentleman's name? And I'm being kind. I'm trying to be rese- respectful. Press Secretary Brian Griffin from the governor's office heard about this particular uh, opportunity for the National Hockey League to be equal, yeah, diverse, 
mm -hmm. and inclusive by having a job fair that focuses on women, veterans. Correct. Okay. Hold on to that one. For oh, a yeah. Uh-huh. Black people, Asian people, Pacific Islanders, Hispanic, Latinos, indigenous folks, disabled people, and folks from the LB, LGBTQIA plus community. Here is Griffin's statement from Friday. Discrimination of any sort is not welcome in the state of Florida. And we do not abide by the woke notion that discrimination should be overlooked if applied in a political popular manner, politically popular manner, or against a politically unpopular demographic. We're going to unpack it all. I got one more line. Mm -hmm. I know. You saw it. We are fighting all discrimination in our schools. Right. And I'll, I'll, I live here, so I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> how. And our workplaces, and we will fight it in publicly accessible places of meeting or activity. Now, after this please, statement on Please, Friday, yeah, please, please help me out here. What the is National Hockey League yes. caved. According to reports, deleted its post, original post, did the National Hockey League, from LinkedIn on Friday night with a league spokesperson saying that Pathway to Hockey Summit, which is what this was called, is open to anyone 18 or older. The NHL has since published a new post about the event. So much here. Yeah. Again, this to have people grab on to language, woke, try to um, try to utilize it in a way that creates fervor, and I'm a, I, I'm going here. Among yeah. the least of us, the worst of us, four votes disgusts me. Now that's that's that I'm done. I, whatever comes from my assertion of that, I don't mm -hmm. care. If that if that's going to impact my employment anywhere, I'll see you in court. I'm so tired of this sycophant. And all of the people that radiate out of his space because of his red blood desire to be the most powerful person in the free world. And that's what this all is. And I'm not and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna free former President Trump from any of this because he's developed this, he has shown a pathway to this. If if you're so inclined as a certain type of conservative to make people feel good about the shittiest things mm. about being in the majority, then I'm for you. That's my summation. That's I'm, I'm right. that's my paraphrase. Mm -hmm. And the national hockey league, which had embraced and probably still does, but just doesn't want any smoke. I'm, I'm going to be, I'll let them right. a little yeah. bit off the hook. They've embraced the fact that they're way behind the other sports in North America in diversity and inclusion. Their workforce, excluding players, 84% white, more than 61% male. Most successful organizations are inclusive, and, and it's just good business because then your customer base Correct. is we'll white. start to get right? right and inclusive. The report that we always talk about here on Forward Progress over the last couple of years found that 93% of NHL workforce 
of the NHL workforce identifies as straight and heterosexual, showing the lack of representation in that space. But the response from DeSantis's press secretary is reflective of the governor's belief that efforts to thwart discrimination are themselves discriminatory, which is horseshit. And do not bleep that out, Purnell. I want that, that is, <laughs> it literally is saying to everyone, we think you're stupid. We applaud that you are stupid. <laughs> Vote for us, yeah. dummies. I, I'm tired. I'm so tired of it. And yeah. I, and I've and the problem is I'm going so hard because I've kept it because I live and work in Florida. Yeah, I know that I have colleagues and Heat fans and friends that are conservative. This is not that, right? You want small this government. You want to be able to send your kid to whatever school you want to. You want smaller. T- you want. Um, I want to say smaller taxes, but to be taxed less. Standard conservatism. We might have some ideology differences as it pertains to abortion, um, uh, civil unions, what have you. We can have public debate and make policy about those things. But this space, this culture war they want to have about we're not going to make white people feel bad about being white. No one said that that's the point. But what we will not do is act like we don't need to fix atrocities to be a better place for everybody. Now, I've talked too long. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm glad you did because you you enlightened so many people who are listening and the passion in your voice is obviously is heard. You're there. Your boots on the ground. You're, you're in the state of Florida, so you understand it and you see it every single day. Uh, the big word that I, I draw from this is continued division, right? It's division. You're, you're dividing. Okay. You're telling people, Hey, they're always against us. This is who we are. Don't be afraid to be the color of who you are. And that's not the case. The case isn't the organization, the national hockey league, NHL. I think that they are, they've quickly, um sort of become the the last uh or the fifth major sport <laughs> i think in north america or and i will say north america i'm going to say in 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 the u.s in the u.s in the u.s i think we've seen the nba the uh nfl obviously major league baseball but i think the way that mls soccer has really gravitated has really taken on and their ability to have more diversity and what they their product leads to has put the NHL at the end. Right. Oh, like, by the way, we should note that the WNBA, probably the most diverse w- league, oh, yeah. is under oh, the umbrella of the NBA. Under, so yeah. It wasn't I like mean, yeah, absolutely, in terms of the men's sports, right? Obviously, yeah. WNBA, and if you missed like last week with Megan Perry, man, if you missed last week's show with Megan Perry, make sure you go on, on demand yeah. and go listen to it because she she was sounding off telling you how, you know, the WNBA has been in the forefront. They have not been scared no. to take some of these actions that the NHL is trying, but yet people such as Ron DeSantis are trying to block that. Look, this is a situation where it's only it's for the good of the corporation. It's for the good of the people. When you have a base or an organization that is primarily, you know, eighty percent, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, 
80 percent uh you know white male that's where is the the other side of it when i say other side of it, I'm, I'm, me I'm meaning that everybody's sort of one-minded in their thinking or you maybe see things one way the one thing that i loved about this and i wish it would have continued what was it called again the gateway to the nhl what it was called uh, summit pathway to pathway hockey summit pathway yeah to pathway to hockey summit yeah but i'm more upset because you mentioned all the folks who were the demographic of this it wasn't like it was black versus white it was people of there all were disabled people and veterans disabled and veterans and so we're talking about getting the voices of so many people, to be honest, that probably aren't heard enough. That when their resume comes up, some people's resumes trump them. But you say, wow, that this person does have a quality that we need or we we want to hear from this, right? I've, I think me and you, we've been in a lot of production meetings before. <laughs> and some producers say, hey, I see it this way, this way, this way. We're going to do this, this, and this. And you're sitting over there quiet and you're like, uh, okay, can I talk real quick? Well, you know, if you do that, this set of people over here is not going to be into liking it or using this genre of music is probably not in the best taste, right? Or, uh, you know, saying or, or using this is probably not going to work. So the more voices in a room, the more voices in an organization, the more voices in the NHL outside of what the majority is, is for the good of the game, for the good of the sport. It's nothing about this division that Ron DeSantis is doing. So I'm upset more so because some people who probably wouldn't have opportunities like this were kind of being pushed aside now because of an agenda and not because of real truths. Like if there's a truth to this to say, you know what, we want these the best people to do. And I get that. Yes, the qualified people will be there. But the one thing that we do is not everybody is going to have that opportunity to so to have a summit so that you can encourage more people to come out and say, hey, you have a chance. You have an opportunity to be a part of the NHL. Why would you try to discourage that? I met Ron DeSantis. We were at a golf club outside of Naples. <laughs> uh, we did not get to talk. Um, and, and I wasn't in, all that particularly interested in talking. Right. But the thing is, I there's something about golf that has allowed me to see and do and be around folks that otherwise I just wouldn't be around. And, and DeSantis and Trump are in that right. space. I had a delightful time okay. uh, having, a, n that was a Prentice version Trump, uh, playing through my group at his course in West Palm Beach. Matter of fact, played a couple holes with us mm -hmm. until okay. he got frustrated and wanted to move on. <laughs> Not with <laughs> us, but with his own game. And he didn't want to be bothered. So he kept going. Uh, DeSantis seemed cordial. The man has an Ivy League pedigree that tells me he knows better. But it also tells me that he might be crazy like a fox, right? Like knows full well what the path to the number is if he is going to be what I anticipate uh, is a candidate for the president of the United States. Uh, this administration is banning books. It's reaching in classrooms and telling teachers what they should and should not be doing, trying to tell private businesses how to handle their business, uh, now disrupting what should be a wonderful centerpiece of a North American 
I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the oldest North American professional sport league. Yeah. Uh, North American. I mean, all North of American. American people. Right, right, baseball, right. Baseball, you know. The whole <laughs> but, but with that being said, um, I know they know what they're doing. Right. And I'm, I've had it. And I'm not going to just sit here as a citizen of Florida or these United States of America and not call them on their BS. They're talking about not being divisive while being divisive. They're talking about freedom while right. being fascist. It's, it's mm -hmm. unbelievable what they're doing. And what I can't understand is why people, like millions of people, have their head in the trough, chewing it up. Chewing wow. it up. Well, actually, I, I know full well. I know full well. That's, a, <laughs> that's another show. That's a, we got to do a whole other show. I will note, and you, will, you can confirm, that I went to our producer, Pernell Brown, and we have invited uh, the press secretary for the governor of the great state of Florida, Brian Griffin, on forward progress. We're awaiting a response. The invitation is open. It's open. It's open in this show. Is, it's a tape program, <laughs> so we don't take calls, but it's not a one-way street. And, and right. over the years, we've invited individuals to come on the program that may not align uh, with a thinking of diversity, inclusion, and equality, uh, but come on by. Correct. It's the confluence of race and sports. Not a lot of places to go to discuss such things. So, Mr. Griffin, the floor is yours. Just come on by. That's all. That's all. Just a yeah. It's just a conversation. Reasonable people disagree all the time. We'll love to just want to hear your, your side. We'll love to hear More what, of what your base. More yeah, of just it. let me know. Hear ours. <laughs> right. hear ours as well uh we'll shift gears get to one of the great organizations of this country really impacting and changing lives uh low-income communities have been lifted due to peer forward their ceo uh gary lennon will join us kirk has a great conversation to share when we come back here on forward progress <laughs> You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Now we welcome in to Forward Progress uh, our guest today. He's the uh, CEO of Peer Forward. Uh, he is Mr. Gary Lennon. And Gary, look, so much to get caught up with you about because uh, Peer Forward, one of the grantees from the NBA's uh, foundation, uh, that has granted so many of these grants, right? It started back in 2020 with the NBA saying, you know what? We need to get out into our communities. We need to do more as an organization. And so they've delivered more than like over a hundred and I believe $40 million or, or close to it in terms of grants. But Peer Forward is one of those that will be benefiting as well. So Gary, first of all, thank you for joining for Progress. Tell me a little bit about Peer Forward. Definitely. So, you know, uh, thank you, Kirk, so much for having me on uh, um, today to get the chance to go ahead and talk a little bit about the work that we're doing. Uh, right. Peer Forward is a national nonprofit organization that's been around for over 25 years. Um, we started actually in D.C. working with four individuals uh, in a community center. And our goal from our predecessors, our, our, our co-founders, was about getting them into college. That was the ultimate okay. goal. And what they found is that <clears throat> these young black and brown individuals, smart as heck. Right. But for some reason, college for them, they was like, ah, I'll go, maybe, you know. Um, and so they got the chance to go ahead and apply to college. They got into college. They all went through college, uh, which was phenomenal. But during that process, what we found is that 
everything that they learned in that community center from our co-founders, they were going mm-hmm. back to tell their friends. And we was like, hold on, we're on to something. Like, okay. And I think we all can recognize this, like the power of peer influence, right? And that's at the mm-hmm. bread and butter of who we are. Like at the end of the day, a 70-year-old is more inclined to listen to another 70-year-old. And I think we all either have kids, nieces, nephews, friends, where you say something to them. And I'm like, I know it's the truth, but the moment their friend says it, it validates it. And we're just like, okay, I know I told you that last week. <laughs> but so we were on to something. And the premise around that is like, how do you leverage young adults to be able to help their friends get to and through college, particularly those from mm-hmm. low-income communities? So we started with four individuals, again, in DC, and we had the opportunity to spread over the last 25 years to be able to impact more than 500 students from low-income communities, getting them to and through college. And that's just by leveraging friends to be able to help friends and providing structure with support of right. adults to be able to get them to and through college. You know, I, I like that foundational piece of a peer, you know, to peer. Um, because obviously, I think that when you have young people, yes. they tend to want to gravitate to what someone else is doing in terms of having success, right? I think growing up in the inner city, sometimes you realize, oh, you see the guy with the nice shoes and the nice clothes, and yet he may be going down a different path that I know I don't want to take. But then there's also this different avenue that I can take, but it's a little bit different. It's about going to school. It's about trying to better myself. It's about bettering the community as well. So when you try to talk to these young folks and try to get them to understand more and more of what's out there, how do you do that outside of just the peer-to-peer? Is it models of, hey, this is where I went to school. This is what you could achieve. Just, uh, Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. So that's the secret sauce uh, with us, right? Because to your exact point, like I'm from New York City, grew up in the projects um, from Spanish Harlem. And, Mm -hmm. you know, walking through the streets, through the projects, there was those individuals that stood on the corner, right? And, but when they moved, we watched them. When they talked, we listened. Yeah. Because there was something about their, the charisma that uh, attracted us to them. It's the same in the same in the school community, right? Like individuals that are in the class, whether it's the class clown, whether it's the the varsity, you know, captain of the football or you know basketball team, it didn't matter. Like those individuals, for some reason, when they spoke, people listened. So what we do is we tap into the most influential person within that school community uh, to be able to train and mobilize them to say, hey, you know, we know about you know peer pressure, and a lot of times it's always associated with the negative things. But if you actually invert that to positive peer pressure, you can actually have a lot of positive change. And that's what we do. And so it could be the person that actually cut classes. That's mm-hmm. fine. The person that walks down the hallway or has the freshest sneakers, people right. gravitate towards that. So give them the tools and resources to be able to help their friends. So we do that. That's number one. When you get the chance to allow those individuals to be able to start having conversations about what it means to be a young Black man or a young Black female in this community and for them to understand that we're going through a very similar journey, regardless of what I look like or how I speak, those are the power of the connections that we uh, have the ability to be able to create. The other unique thing that we all also do is that we bring back individuals from your respective community to say, hey, I went through the same pathway. Like I'm actually from your building, 218. Right. I lived <laughs> on the ninth floor, you know, five years later, but look what I've had the opportunity to do. And just by the chance of being able to expose them to the different networks that are available to them, that is what's really, really powerful because they see individuals that look just like them, that speak their same language. And they're like, oh, hold on, I can do that too. So that's that one part. The other piece is we expose them to, you know, our corporate partners, like 
the building that they walk by and they say, I've never knew who worked in that building. We say, go upstairs to the 34th floor and meet wow. a lawyer, meet you yeah. know, somebody who works at the front desk. Like that exposure, a lot of times we don't get. And so the power of us is connecting community partners with young adults that have potential and building that bridge. Oh man, that's great. That's great. I'm just thinking about me as a, as a young youth knowing I can go down because there are some big buildings when you go into the big city, right? You get downtown yes. and you never know who work in them. <laughs> I know somebody in them, but I never get a chance to go in there. But I thought that's a that's a great piece to uh, work with. We're talking with Gary Lennon. He's the uh, CEO of Peer Forward. And uh, Peer Forward has was just awarded one of the NBA's grants. I said earlier, 50, 157 million. I meant to say the NBA Foundation has given it. 57 million, uh, which is 170 total grants so far. And that will continue. And, and I think the question for you now, Gary, is that to receive one of these grants from the NBA, to me, it's also a, a symbol of validation for yes. a lot of the good work that you've been doing that the NBA sees it, they care. They're like, you know what, we can help out and help, pro you know, pro progress with peer forward. So when you got the word that you were receiving the, uh, the, the, the grant, how did that, first of all, some of the emotions that go over you knowing that some of your work and what you've been doing over the last 10 plus years is, is, is starting to not just take fruition, but is showing validity as well. No, thank you. You know, it's funny because uh, we had applied for it some time ago and we didn't hear anything. Wow. And just to get that call, I was like, hold on. We're still on the radar. And I think that, you know, it also shows that they did their due diligence to say, let's just not give it out to anybody. Like, I need to watch yeah. and see Correct. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And they noticed that, particularly for Peer Forward, like, we live and breathe the work that we do. Like, 94% of the students that we serve are Black and Brown individuals, my, the majority of them from inner city. And the question is, like, how do we make sure that we're supporting those folks that are from marginalized communities that don't get a chance. And MBA has been standing behind that. And so that was really exciting because I got the message right before our board meeting. <laughs> and so <laughs> the ability to go yeah. into the board meeting was like, aha, I have something for you. Help to further validate it. What even more so is that in their due diligence, like when we applied, we was like, hey, we're working in some of these markets. They noticed that we have a vast footprint in many of their markets. It was like, oh, we have to do something much, much greater than what you initially thought about. So how do we expand this project to make sure that it's national? Because we service about 80,000 students annually in many of their major markets. And they're like, oh, this is the real deal for us. And any way that we can connect you to those local markets that need that additional support, we want to do it. So that stamp of approval, I mean, I slept well that night. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, when you look at people always ask you, hey, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? And obviously, you being a Cornell University graduate, and it, it does open a lot more doors. People definitely stop. Oh, Cornell, obviously, obviously, you know, it's it's a different conversation. But how do you now start to plant those seeds in the younger generation about going to a lot of the higher education places as well? And I know you also deal with, you know, with, with kids who are college dropout, who yeah. will go into college and say, I like it, but it's maybe not for me, or I don't want to continue because it's too hard. It's too tough. So what do you say to those kids when you talk about your background and what you've been able to accomplish to tell them not to give up? Definitely. Thank you for that question. I mean, 
I, I would start with this, like, yes, I went to Cornell, which was phenomenal. But, you know, as an older individual, I was chosen, if you will, to say, hey, you're smart. Oh, there's something about you. And so I had the chance to go to a private boarding school, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, the Oliver Scholars Program, I was tapped in junior high school to be able to be a part of that, which is phenomenal. They take individuals right. from low income communities in junior high school and say, hey, change the trajectory of your life. And it changed minds. The challenge that I had is that I still came home. And there were individuals that were just as smart as smart as me, if not smarter, that were not afforded the same opportunity. And for me, that did not sit well for me as an individual. And when I got the chance to start working for formerly known as College Summit Now Peer Forward, that's the work that they were doing about tapping into the potential of individuals that are college material. And sometimes they just don't see it. They're not afforded the opportunity because our school systems are, you know, they're stretched thin. Guidance counselors don't have the capacity to be able to support individuals in public schools the way in which that their heart wants them to. And Peer Forward has allowed us to be able to build capacity in those school systems. And so when I talk to individuals, I'll say, yes, like my resume looks great, but I'm just like you because I want my sister, I want my cousins to have the same type of opportunity, the same type of freedom that I was offered by getting the, the trajectory to be able to open up those doors. So we're very intentional about that. The other key piece around that is making sure that they understand that there are people that are walking the path just like them. Because a lot of times they think they're in it by themselves. And I'm like, actually, that's not the case. You know, when you think Mm -hmm. about a teenager and Mm -hmm. all the obstacles that they're dealing with, whether it's I want to go and play for the NBA or whether I want to be a doctor, I just don't know how to get there or my options are limited. How do you start having conversations with folks that are thinking the same thing? and come together with a common solution and say, if that's not my path, what are the alternate paths? So for us, we built the structure to say, we know that the number one indicator towards economic mobility, the vast main highway is a post-secondary degree, like tried and true. But we're also recognizing that there are other roads that individuals need to take because of the journeys that they're going through. And we've seen that during the pandemic where individuals question the value of college because of whether it's because of a, you know, debt, whether it's like, I got a degree and now where do I go? Because of that, right. inf- the lack of information and support. So we are intentional about providing support for individuals in that space. That's why we got into uh, the college market. So historically we would only support individuals getting into college and we were doing a great job at that. I mean, we were recognized by President Obama with the Nobel Peace mm-hmm. Prize money to be like, hey, great job. But what we found is that they're getting in but they're not getting out because mm-hmm. they don't feel, they didn't make the right choice. It wasn't the appropriate fit. And many of the colleges have a lot of resources, but they just don't know the resources because either they come from first-generation low-income communities right. where that conversation, their parents want them to go, to be clear. But how many people know what the bursa office is? It's not talked about. So when you get there, you're like, oh my God, you know what? I'm frustrated, I'm leaving. So we want to be very intentional about making sure that whatever college you go to, whether it's a highly selective, whether it's big, whether it's small, it has to be the right fit where you feel like you have a sense of community and we thrive and we push that for our folks. Oh man, you said so much there, Gary. He's a, uh, Gary Lennon. He's the CEO of Peer Forward, 350,000 students from low-income communities. The path to college, that's what Peer Forward, the nonprofit organization, just awarded a MBA foundation grant. And you mentioned, you said something there that I think goes a long way in terms of students or young people feeling like they're all alone in this 
in wanting to achieve or wanting to go to these different colleges. Obviously, there's student loans. There's obviously you could talk to speak to student loan or student debt forgiveness. There's a lot that goes into that. But I think when you know that there's also financial assistance, financial stability, things that can help you along the way that can make you feel that because I know a lot of kids growing up sometimes I know mom and dad can't get can't, can't send me to college. I know mom probably can't. I know dad can't. So I should just give up that dream because there there is no way for me. I don't have the money to. So with obviously I know with your organization and what you've been able to do, how do you get them to realize that that dream still can happen? That's that dream is still there for you. Don't worry about the money aspect. We'll find it. But I need you to keep going, not give up. Loaded question. I think one, it's getting people to understand their worth. And when mm-hmm. you center individuals okay. to understand their worth and say there are so many different options out there for you, don't go with just the first option, explore okay. your options. And so each summer we host a summer training camp where we train our peer leaders um, around just that. They learn the entire college application process. And so mm-hmm. we uh, they meet with college coaches to learn about what is the different financial aid that's available? What are the different colleges that are available? If you have this GPA, these are the schools that you can apply to. Because a lot of times, again, because of the restraints that many, unfortunately, that our guidance counselors have, they just don't have the time to be able to do the research. We do the research for them. Okay. And I say, did you know that these 10 institutions actually have financial aid for individuals that come from New York City. Or did you know that, you know, as a low-income student, you, ha- you have the ability to apply for this merit-based scholarship? And it just, they just don't know. So it's right. about information sharing and building community for them. And that's, you know, what I really appreciate about Peer Forward. Because everybody that is actually with the, like I went through a similar path, but the majority of our staff members actually were a part of the program. So they can speak to it. To be able to like, if I got through and I'm here and I'm working at, you know, I'm gainfully employed and, you know, I'm doing something meaningful for me, you can do it too. But you got to make sure that you're coaching them along the way and not just saying, I open the door, run through. It's like, no, I'll support you throughout the process. Mm. If people wanted to see more about Peer Forward or they want to donate or just follow some of the great work that you've been doing, where do they go? The website, the links, where could they go? Definitely. So please go to www.peerforward.org. There you'll find a lot of information about how to donate. Um, you know, obviously we work with 80 schools across the country that need your support. Um, and so any way that you can do that, if you're looking to see whether or not we're in your local communities, you're going to find that on our website. Um, if you're looking to volunteer, we're always looking for folks either during the summer or wants to be a mentor, any of that in that capacity. Sometimes we don't have the financial means and that's okay, but your time is invaluable. So please let us know if you want to volunteer with us as well. Um, so www.peer4.org. But if you got a check, send it my way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what you've done in, in, in 10 plus years has been great. It's been phenomenal. Obviously, uh, getting the the credit that you deserve and, and your team and your staff and everybody. But as you start to look forward now, as we start to keep spinning this thing forward, obviously peer for the show, we're on forward progress. We're always trying to figure out Hey, what's forward? What's next? What do we do? What's the path? What's the goal? Our next goal. So for you, when you look at where Peer Forward is heading, what are some of the, the goals in, in, in mind or where do you want to see or expand to? Yeah, so it's being to increase our footprint in the work that we're doing currently. I think we need to go in depth in the communities that we currently are because individuals are really questioning the value of a post-secondary degree. That headwind does not work for us. And I, you know, I need to make sure that we are holding 
on to them because there's people that went to college and dropped out. So a priority for us is like, how do I get them back in to understand okay. the value of this post-secondary degree and or credential? Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that my brothers and sisters have a meaningful career. So when they sleep well at night, they understand that they're doing something with a purpose. And so that's what we're looking forward to, like deeply embedding our feet into these communities to let people know that we're not giving up on them. Because I feel like individuals in our communities are starting to think that we're giving up. And mm-hmm. Pier Ford is still here and we're not giving up on you. And so when things get a little tough, that's when we you know, tighten up our bootstraps and support even more. Man, Gary, this has been a pleasure, man. I appreciate the time. First of all, congratulations again on the grant from the uh, NBA Foundation. And we look forward to checking in back on Pure Forward down the line yes. just to see how things are going. And we would love to have you back on the show, Gary. Please, I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, he's Gary Lennon, the CEO of Pure Forward. Coming up next here on Forward Progress, can he be the next coach to bring the HBCU spotlight back into the forefront. Me and Jax, we'll discuss that next right here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. All right, we got a little potpourri here for you in our final segment. Uh, We'll get to a lot of stuff, uh, but we got to start off with Ed Reed uh, going off on conditions at Bethune Cookman. Um, <laughs> basically, and we'll, we'll hear it in a moment, but Ed Reed is new at Bethune right. and isn't pleased with the facilities at the uh, school. Listen, he is a Hall of Famer. Yes. He is one of the greatest defensive backs, if not one of the great, great, it may could be the greatest safety. Like, that's it's a debate. Correct. Right. right. Um, in the history of the game. Um, and now moving from, uh, really more of a mentorship program at his alma mater into the head job at Bethune-Cookman. Um, and um, <laughs> let's listen to the assessment of the head football coach as it pertains to those facilities. I'm out here walking with the football team, picking up trash, but I'm mutting us. Man, get out of here, man. I should leave. I'm not even under contract doing this. I'm mutting us. Man, get out of here, man. They mutt me. Ain't even clean my goddamn office when I got here. I'm mutting y'all. Get your ass, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. All this shit here was trash in front of me. Who you think got this shit cleared out? That building right there got trash in it. It's trash. What are you talking about? I need no goddamn donors to come out and help out because people just want money. That's why I don't hell. That's why I don't fuck with social network. Okay, so he might need some sensitivity training. Um, right, <laughs> Bethune Cookman HR might be shivering mm-hmm. in their boots, right? Trying to get over uh, to how to you know get him to. Hey, listen, he's not wrong, probably right. Like, right, you got to clean up the facilities and and his office, and his office should have been tidy when he showed up and. These are the things that people talk about when this light shines so quickly on historically black colleges and universities. And then you get the bright light of Deion Sanders, which brought in uh, now a parade of, I mean, Mm -hmm. former stars from the National Football League who 
have said, you know what, let's go impact the right. space and elevate it and lift it. Um, and I'm glad Ed's there. But Ed has to realize, and I knew this, this is the energy and fire that made him the player he was. But as a head coach, you're the chief executive officer. You are the supreme leader right. of the football program, which, by the way, tends to lift every boat in the water at a university. And so this does what? It does the exact same negatively for the boats in the water right. at the university. I love Ed Reed. Uh, Ed Reed has been nothing but kind, uh, as you know, and maybe listeners mm -hmm. or not, my wife is an executive in the University of Miami's athletic department, and their associations have been nothing but positive. And um, I know that he means well, and he has since apologized for his tone and shown, I'm hopeful, that's a great lesson for student-athletes, right? that you don't have to get stuck <laughs> on Surly. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but there is a there is a path uh beyond your reactions uh particularly when you are the leader of young men yeah i mean the first of all i thought it was a great hire by the way uh, for bethune cookman um their athletic director reggie theus former uh nba player longtime nba player he's sure. their uh, athletic director down there and i know when they had a coach their coaching search they were looking for someone who had that same um name recognition like a Deion Sanders at, at Jackson state, but someone who's going to come in and do the work, who's going to be a coach. Obviously you can hear the passion in his voice and read there. Uh, the not suitable for work, obviously at times, but I think that they knew what they were getting in their head coach. <laughs> um, it's just that Ed Reed has to remember, like you mentioned, he is now the CEO. He is now the head of that team. He is now the head of that program. Okay. He is now, People don't know that Reggie Theus is the athletic director. They, they know who Ed Reed is, and they know that Ed Reed is the head coach at Bethune-Cookman, the Hall of Famer Ed Reed. Uh, I think he had to, that's why he had to come, you know, make a, say a statement and say, hey, I apologize. I know I can't do that. But I think it, what happens is he has to realize, too, that now, you know, a lot of, you know, people are going to have eyeballs on you now. Before, nobody, you loved Ed Reed for what he did as a Raven. Uh, as a football player, outstanding player, but now you're the head coach. So people will go to criticize. People are going to pick and poke holes at you. People expect you to deliver championships. They expect you because the light on the HBCU programs has now been lit. And so now it's part of you're the next one up. You're the next big name. And people want to know, Okay, uh, how are you going to be successful? What are you doing? What are you bringing to the program? And I think that Ed has to take a deep breath and says, look, y'all want to know what's really going on. This is what's going on. I didn't have this done. I didn't have this done. And this is, Well, yeah, it's going to be different. Ed. It ain't going to be what you expect sometimes. But that's part of why you're there is rehabilitating the culture. It's changing things up. It's not doing what was the old way. It's now about doing the new way. And so if it's players and guys picking up trash and doing whatever, it's about whatever you got going on. And Ed Reed's, you know, one of the great stories in his locker room. You know, I don't know if you remember this one, but he talked about when he was with the Ravens. And one of the players, younger players, had, a, you know, cut his uh, ankle tape and kind of just left it. Left it on the floor, right? Okay. Left it on the floor. And Ed said, no, no, no. If we're trying to get to where we want to go, we got to, uh-uh. 
every you gotta throw your you gotta do everything the right way and that's even throwing away your tape so he's gonna bring the passion from his playing days now as a head coach he's going to work through it and hopefully he'll have someone who can keep him in line in terms of when to do it and when not to do it when right. to step over the line and when not to but I'm 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 excited, and this is just a small little blip that I think won't happen again. It's you got to engage your alumni and your yes. boosters, and there's a better way to do it. Obviously, I can't <laughs> wait till he has them all in the room and he can get fired up and get them in pockets. Uh, but being mindful, stay tuned to Florida. Two hurricanes last fall. Right. The team couldn't even play in their own facility uh, for a month due to the storm. So work needs to be done and it will be done and i'm hopeful by the time they get to spring ball that uh things will be around now they should have had coach's office tight it's got to got to so we're not gonna sit here and act like yeah he wasn't wrong about that yeah you can call molly made and go do that a couple things before we get out of here um it seems a little off from a timeline standpoint because we haven't seen her ball out yeah. in a while but maya Moore officially has retired uh one of the greatest champions uh, in WNBA history, a UConn legend for my years mm -hmm. I've living in Connecticut. Um, but she is officially retiring from the game. Um, she was jump man, jump woman, whatever you want. She had that Jordan symbol because her game was very similar to the great Michael Jordan. Um, but, you know, a woman who had, like you mentioned, all the credentials from college, the WNBA, uh, sort of a short career because she still had more left, but she found a passion of hers, which was, um, you know, going into um, helping out folks who have been wrongfully incarcerated. Yeah. She and was reform. So, yeah. yeah. She's all about it. So she's going to be releasing a book coming up. Uh, what is it? Love and Justice, I believe, or Basketball and Justice. I got to get it right. But yeah. I'm happy for the career that she had. And um, I look forward to, uh, you know, what she has left because I think she's still going to be a, have an imprint um, in this world. Yeah. Became a mom last year as well. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Rand Carthon and, and the impact of his hire uh, in what? Tennessee. <laughs> you, you got this has a beautiful connection as we wrap up the show. Oh man, this is great, man. Rand Carthon, former player, but uh, another African American, a black general manager. He'll be the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. He comes from the San Francisco 49ers organization, and I'm happy for Rand. And this is also the sort of the diversity in which the San Francisco 49ers, their organization, has had. They will now be awarded now, Jax three third round picks over the last three seasons now because of the NFL's minority compensation program. If you, if another team hires one of your minorities on your staff, you will be awarded a draft pick. And so about that? the 49ers have had Robert Sala of minority, uh, Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami dolphins. Yeah. All right. And now Rand Carthon, who was the assistant or the head of player personnel, now general manager. So the 49ers get a couple of third round picks, but it goes to show that the diversity that they have within their organization goes far, far beyond. I think what a lot of people uh, don't give them credit for it, but they need to be giving them that type of credit. Congratulations uh, to all involved. And thank you so much for being with us on this edition of the program. We got a lot in today. We, we did. We got, we got, we got a, lot. a lot. Yes. Indeed. Uh, very special. Thanks to Gary. Uh, Lennon from Peer Forward for being our guest today, and we appreciate you stopping by. For our producer, Pernell Brown, my partner, Kirk Morrison, I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress.
Forward Progress is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.